we're going to start a new series tonight called The Road to the Cross. We are moving into Easter season, and as we move into Easter season, of course, we'll move through these next two or three weeks. It'll be Palm Sunday, and then that's called Holy Week, which is from Palm Sunday until the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I wanted to take the next three weeks before Easter and talk to you some about what Jesus went through, what he endured for us. Now, the first thing I want you to know is this is not going to be in chronological order. And what that means is, is we're not going to follow the story uh, in the order that it happened. That's what chronological order is. I'm going to show you the, the story, of course, is massive and there's a lot to it, but I'm going to pick out some things that I want to show you. And you probably already know this, but you know, the Bible is not written in chronological order. When you, when you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, the books are not placed in the order that they happened. Okay, that's what chronological order is. The Bible is grouped together by themes. Okay, that's how the Bible is written. And so when you read a certain section of the Bible, uh, the Spirit of God is bringing a theme to you. Now, if you're interested and you're curious, you can Google uh, chronological Bible, and it will pull up a list of the books of the Bible, and it will place them in order of timeline. And it's very interesting to look at it. Uh, it's, it'd be a fun way to read the Bible. So if, you, if you're interested in that or curious with it, uh, just look up chronological Bible, and it'll pull up the order of the books that are in order. I looked at it the other day, and I was very fascinated uh, because there's just a few chapters in Genesis and then the next book is the book of Job. So it's interesting to look at it. So I just wanted to let you know we're not going to be going through it in order. Now, we're going to start tonight in the book of John, and I want to tell you a couple of things about the book of John. The book of John represents Jesus as God. Okay, each one of the Gospels give a different side of who Jesus is. And the book of John represents Jesus as God. And uh, John chapter 1, verse 1 starts with that. And I'm going to read you that verse in just a minute. But let me tell you a couple of things about the book of John. If you have never read your Bible in your life, you should read the book of John. If you were going to ask me, hey, pastor, I've never read my Bible. Where should I start? I would tell you, read the book of John. If you read your Bible every day, and you've read it every day for years, you should take time in the next couple of months and read the book of John. Here's what John does. He gives you a picture of who Jesus is, who he really is, what his heart is for you and I. And it's an amazing eye-opening book to read the book of John. And, and I want to say this, and I, wanna, I want you to know where I'm coming from. You know, a lot of times in church or in religion, you can hear people say different things about God or different things about Jesus. And one of the wisest things you'll ever do is not listen to what somebody else says about God, but you go to the Bible and you find out for yourself what God is about. If I were to say something about Ashley's life, or I were to say something about Brian's life, and I said, well, you know, Brian's done this, or Brian's done that. Well, now, first off, the Bible calls that gossip, and it says you shouldn't do that. But if you were smart, you'd go to Brian and say, hey, uh, you know, Pastor Rusty said that uh, you did this or you did that. You're smart to go to the source, right? 
Okay, it's the very same way with the Word of God. Don't let somebody tell you who they think God is. Now, and, and, and I'm not being, I don't mean that in a, in, a, in a mean or hateful way, but go to the source. So when you read the book of John, you're going to find out who Jesus is. And I'm telling you, and, I, and I'm telling you, it'll change you. The book of John will change you if you've never read it. If you've never read the Bible, read the book of John. If you read the Bible all the time, take time to read the book of John. Now, I don't know the exact number of days. There's 21 chapters. If you read a chapter a day, it'd take you a little less than a month, take 21 days to read the book of John. What if just for the rest of March, April, and May, you begin to read the book of John? And what if you read one chapter a day up until June 1st, well, you'd probably read through the book of John maybe three times. And I guarantee you, you'll grow spiritually. I guarantee you, it'll draw you closer to God and it'll give you a more intimate understanding of who Jesus is. Now, I'm not asking you to stop doing what else you're doing, but I just wanted to encourage you to not be afraid to add it in. The book of John starts before creation happens. Okay, what do we know about the Bible? How does Genesis start? In the beginning. That's the first three words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it goes on, and over the next six days, it talks about all the things that God does, and that's our beginning, if you will. Okay, John begins before creation. Now, think about that for a minute. Before there was a heaven, before there was an earth, before there was an ocean, before there was any animals, any birds, any reptiles, before anything that we know, before there were stars, before there was a universe, before there, everything, before all the things that we're familiar with, what does the Bible say? It says that the, that the world was dark without form and void. That's where John begins. It begins before creation. And we're going to read tonight out of John chapter 1. We're going to start with verse 1, and I'm going to read through four verses. Listen to what it says. It says, in the beginning was the Word. Now, the Word, Word, that sounds weird. The Word, Word is a reference to Jesus. The Bible calls Jesus the living Word. So listen to it. In the beginning was the Word, or Jesus, and the Word, or Jesus, was with God. Now, we understand that there's a trinity. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says there are three in one, and the Bible says that it's a mystery. Listen, I don't understand the trinity, and neither do you, and I'm perfectly fine and okay with that. Listen, if God was small enough that we could understand everything about him, he wouldn't be God. Right? If there weren't parts of God that were a mystery, and I love mysteries, you know, one of my favorite shows to watch on TV is uh, Dateline. Do y'all watch Dateline sometimes? Oh, I can't sleep after I watch some of those. And, and you know, people plot to kill their spouse and, and they murder them and hide their body. And, and, oh, and, I, and, and you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And are they going to catch them? And, and, and I, I love watching those. And then at the end, you know, they'll catch them and they go to prison. And I think, why didn't he just divorce her? How come he murdered her and threw her body in the ocean? I mean, you know, I mean, and I'll, I'll, Mona, I'll talk about it for days. I'll ask Vicki, why, why do you think they did that? And Vicki's like, I don't know and I don't care. Uh, all right. So it's okay. I love a mystery. And so there's a mysterious part to God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Now, Jesus is with God, but Jesus also is God. This is before anything happens, before any creation. 
all these things. Now he jumps into creation. All things were made through him, talking about Jesus, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him, Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, I don't want to try to be too dramatic, but these verses are incredibly profound. They're incredibly profound, incredibly amazing. Now, let me just read it to you from start to finish. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. That's how the book of John starts talking about Jesus before creation and Jesus during creation. What are we talking about? The road to the cross. God took on flesh and allowed his own creation to crucify him to redeem us. The song we sang tonight said nothing is between us and God, and it's because of what Jesus has done. Now, we're going to jump all the way almost to the end of the book of John, and I'm going to show you what he says and how the book ends you're going to love this. We're going from John 1 to John 20. Now, there are 21 chapters, but basically this is a profound ending right here. Listen to what it says. Truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, talking about the Bible. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Uh, again, I, ah, that's so, there's so much in that. That's so amazing. Now, let me go back. It says, Jesus did many signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, talking about the Bible. Okay, another place in the Bible, it says that if everything Jesus did was recorded, the world could not hold all the books. Now, let that sink in for a minute. Okay, now, remember, Jesus has no beginning and no end because he's God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is God, and God and, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, there's no beginning. There's no place you can go to where they're created because they're not created beings, and they have no end. And it says that if everything Jesus did had been written down in books, the library would cover the entire world. That's unbelievable. It's amazing. And it says the things that were written in the Bible were written so you would do what? So you would believe. Listen to it. Let me read it to you one more time. These things were written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that believing you would have life in his name. You know what the Bible was written for? So you'd read it and believe. That's what it was written for. The Bible, I've said this before, right? The Bible's not a rule book, and there are rules in the Bible. There are, okay? Uh, the Bible, to me, is a book of promises. It's a love letter from a loving father who loves you, and it's filled with stories about Jesus Christ. Jesus is in every book of the Bible. That's something else you can Google that's really cool. If you have time, you ought to Google Jesus in every book of the Bible. And it'll show you examples of how there's references from Genesis to Revelation in every book of the Bible. It's called the Red Thread. 
that red thread runs all through the Bible from beginning to end, and there's a picture of Jesus hidden in every book of the Bible. And it's amazing if you take time to look it up. It doesn't take hours and hours to do it. Just look up Jesus in every book of the Bible, and it will give you an example in every book of the Bible. Listen, the hero of the Bible is Jesus. Not Moses, not David, not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not the disciples. They're not the hero of the Bible. The hero of the Bible is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that Bible is written about the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was given to you by a loving father. And here's his hope. His hope is you'll read it and believe. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Well, I wish God would speak to me. Read your Bible. I always think that when people say, man, you know, uh, I wish God would speak to me. He, he's speaking every day. Read, read the book. Now, he speaks other ways, and I don't have time to talk about all that tonight. That would be another sermon. But the most simplest, powerful thing as a believer you can do is read your Bible. If you'll read the book of John, just like I asked you to, you'll grow, you'll grow closer to God. You'll grow closer to Jesus. You'll stir your faith. You'll feed your faith. You'll starve your doubts, and you'll get stronger as a Christian simply by reading your Bible. Listen, this is the truth. You cannot be a strong Christian apart from the Bible. You can't. You can't be a strong Christian apart from church. We're the body. We're brothers and sisters. We have the same father. The Bible says the same blood flows through every man. It doesn't matter what color his skin is. You cannot be a thriving, growing Christian without reading your Bible, without being in church. You, you just can't. When I was young, I loved cars, and I still like cars, but when I was young, I loved cars, and I loved working on cars, and, you know, I had an old car, and my first car was a 64 Impala, and it had a 283 uh, two-barrel with a three-speed. I called it a three in the tree and had a clutch, and, oh, man, I loved that car. I washed it. I polished it. I mean, that, that was the coolest car, and I, I would work on it, and, and I did some dumb stuff to it that I shouldn't have done. Uh, you know, it had a big old black air cleaner on it, and I went to the parts store, and they were selling these little chrome air cleaners and it had a little little chrome screw on top oh it was the coolest thing it was amazing and I asked my dad I said dad can I buy that and put it on he said no son he said you don't want to do that and well I didn't listen to him he didn't know anything and and so I went down I secretly went down and bought that and and what I didn't realize is it was in part it had a top to it and up underneath inside was a wing nut y'all know what a wing nut is okay and 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 the wing nut held it all together okay so I put it on there and tightened it on the carburetor. God, oh, it looks so cool. I mean, I had more women in my life. I mean, you know, you know that's a lie, right? Yeah. You know, I'm lucky to be married even. You know that, right? I mean, if I looked good like Brian, it'd be different, but my gosh, right? But that looked so cool on there. Here's what I didn't know, Tim. As I drove it, that wing nut was vibrating loose. The motor vibrating loosened that wing nut. It came off and fell into the carburetor, and it was sucked into the first piston by the air of the motor running. The, the piston beat it to pieces, into little tiny pieces, and those pieces became lodged between the cylinder wall and the piston, and it locked the motor down. 
oh, no, is right. Oh, no, is right. Now, I still have that number one piston. I have it. And you can, yes, I have it. And you can see where the rings were crushed by, the, by that metal in between the cylinder wall. Okay, so I, I got to, this story's good. I got to finish. So this is a great story. And, and we'll get back to preaching here in a minute. And so I'm leaving for school one morning and I go out and get my 64 Impala, three in the tree, man, radio. It was yellow. I'm pushing the clutch in. I feel it right now, man. And I reach the key to start it and it does nothing. Nothing. You know, it doesn't turn over. It doesn't do anything. So I go in the house and say, Dad, man, the, my, my car won't start. Wonder what's wrong with it. I don't know, man. It, it won't turn over. It won't do anything. So he comes out and he looks and he can't figure it out. He's inside. Well, then he says, pop the hood. Now pop the hood. And there's that air cleaner. There's that air cleaner. We had a come to Jesus meeting. <laughs> Now, back in those days, you guys will relate. He said, let's hook a chain to it and let's pull it. It was a standard. And so he thought, we'll pull it and you put it in neutral and then put it in first and let the clutch out and, you know, turn it over and maybe it'll start. You know, when a battery was dead, they would do that. So we pulled it and I popped the clutch and it literally drugged the tires. They didn't turn, it just drug them because the motor's locked down. Well... He and my uncle took that car to the shop, pulled the motor out, pulled that out, and I was in trouble for the rest of my life. <laughs> oh, I was in trouble. All right. Now, now here's, here, that's a, isn't that a great story? Man, you know, I'm reliving my past right here, you know? But here's, here's the point. I loved cars, and I loved everything about cars, and I read about cars. I studied about cars. I worked on cars. What if you treated God's word the very same way? What if you decided, hey, I'm interested in God. I want to read his word. I want to know about him. I want to understand him. I want to be in church. I'm going to read the book of John. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get close to God. Listen, I guarantee you it will change your life. The book was written so you would read those stories and then the result would be you would believe and have the life of God. You read the book of John and you know what you find out? Jesus was the son of God. Jesus did die for me. Jesus did sacrifice himself. Jesus did spend three days in the earth. Jesus did raise from the dead for me and I believe. Do you remember when you believed? I remember when I believed. I was a 12-year-old boy in my mother's house, and the Baptist pastor came and sat on our couch and shared the good news of the gospel. That's what gospel means, good news. And the good news is dad says, you're forgiven, come on home. You're forgiven, come on home. I heard the story of the gospel, and something sparked in my heart, and you know what happened? I went from death to life, and I believed. I believed, and I've never been the same. Vicki and I got married. She wasn't a Christian. I took her to church. She got up and walked the aisle, and she believed, and we've never been the same. And the Bible says we went from death to life. That's what the road to the cross is about. Now, John starts out talking about the new creation. Genesis is about the physical creation. The book of John is about the new creation. And the book of John is divided into two parts. Okay, and I'm not trying to confuse you. I just want you to understand this. 
okay? There are seven sections in the book of John where Jesus tell, John tells stories about Jesus, and then at the end of each section, he gives a report on whether people believe or don't believe. Okay, now let me say that again. The first half of the book of John, there are seven sections, and he tells stories about Jesus, and then at the end of each one of those, he gives an example of whether the person believes or doesn't believe. Then the second half of the book of John is about Holy Week. It's about Passover. It's about uh, Passover beginning, about the Holy Week, and everything Jesus goes through to the cross, to where he dies on the cross for us. Now, here's what's interesting. The first part of the book of John is in seven parts. The number seven in the Bible means complete. Okay, what did God do in the beginning? He created everything in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. He completed. Okay, we live in a week that has seven days. Each seven days, our week is completed, correct? Okay, so the book of John in the beginning, the first half of it, is broken up into seven sections, and it's describing and showing you about the complete work of the Lord Jesus Christ and how important it is that you understand that. And then the last part, he talks about uh, Passover week and what Jesus does. Now, I want to go to John chapter 6, and I'm going to start reading with verse 28, and let me just read you some verses and show you some things as we get on our way to, to the cross. Listen to what this says. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Now stop right there. King James says that they asked him. Now these people aren't mad at him. They're not trying to trip him up. They're asking him an honest question. What must we do to do the work of God? What must we do to do the work of God? Now let's just imagine something tonight. Imagine that Jesus is here with us and you could sit down with him and ask him a question. Imagine if God the Father was here with us. And, and he's here, but you know what I'm saying. I mean physically here, where you could sit down with him, or you could go have coffee, or you, know, you could run out to the truck stop and have a cup of coffee, and you could ask questions. Okay, they're with Jesus, the Son of God, and here's what they ask him. What do we need to do to do the works of God? What do we need to do? It's an honor. To me, it's a profound and correct question. It's a question that I think every human being is asking. Lord, what do you want from me? Lord, what do you want me to do? I bet everybody in this room has asked that at one time or another. Lord, what's your will for my life? Lord, what, what kind of mother do you want me to be? What kind of father do you want me to be? Lord, where do you want me to work? Lord, where do you want me to live? I mean, they're asking a powerful, simple question. Lord, what is it that you require of us? Man, I've had that in my heart my whole life. You know, Lord, what do you want from me? I mean, don't you think that's a fair question? It's an honest question. Lord, what do you want from me? You know, when you go to work somewhere, they tell you what they expect, right? You know, and you want to know, hey, what, what's expected of me? What do you need me to do? Okay, Lord, what do you want from me? What do, you, what do you need from me? Listen to it. They asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? Oh, listen to the answer. Are you ready? It's going to blow you away. Jesus answered, the work of God is this. You ready? The work of God. Hey, Lord, what do you want from me? This is what I want from you. The work of God is this 
believe in the one he sent. What? <laughs> Doesn't that blow your mind? I mean, what, what do you want from me, God? I want you to believe. Lord, I, I, what, do you, what do you need me to do? What do you want me to do? What's the work of God? The work of God is that you believe in the one that he sent. Jesus is speaking. What do we find out? What's the Bible for? Well, I'm supposed to read those stories, and it's supposed to spark faith in my heart, and I'm supposed to say, what? Jesus, you're who you say you are. You died for me, and I thank you for it, and I want you in my life, and I go from death to life because of the cross. What's the work, Lord, that you want me to do? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to believe. Now, listen. I serve God, and I've served God for a long time, and I work for God. Now, I know I'm a pastor, and I'm a vocational pastor, which means it's my job. You know, I don't go to work somewhere else during the week and then do this on the side. Now, I have done that in my life, but I, I work for God. And many of you in this room, you serve, you're faithful, you help, you're involved in what God's doing, and that's a good thing. Listen, we, we serve God not to try to get God's approval, but because we have God's approval. Now, let me explain it to you another way. Okay, Vicki and I have been married, we're getting close to 50 years. And I love Vicki with all my heart. And I want to help around the house. I want to serve. I want to be involved. Uh, our maid died. She died a slow, horrible death. And we buried her in the backyard. I'm joking. We never had a maid. Y'all are looking at me like, oh, my God. What, what happened to pastor's maid? There was no maid. She's not the maid. We're a team, and I help around the house because I love her and because I want to help. I want to be a part. That's the same way that I serve God, and I know you do too. Listen to it one more time. They asked him, what must we do to do the works of God, do the work that God requires? Jesus answered and said, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. Now, we're about done. We're getting ready to pray and close, and I'm so grateful that you were here. Can you make sure that you've believed? Make sure that you know Christ is your Savior. Make sure that you've allowed yourself in your heart to say yes to Jesus. And I know you have or you probably wouldn't be here, but if you're here and you haven't done it, invite Christ into your life. Make sure you're a believer because that's who's going to be in heaven. Amen? Amen. All right, close your eyes and let me pray for you. Father God, I love you tonight. Lord, I'm so thankful for the body of Christ. I'm so thankful for my brothers and sisters. Father God, I pray and thank you that the Bible was given to us, that we'd read those stories and we'd believe. Lord, I heard somebody say one time years ago that believe the Bible like you do the newspaper. Now, I know we don't read newspapers much anymore, but I know exactly what that person meant. It seemed like when we used to read the paper or watch the news, we'd believe everything they said. And I heard a man say one time, believe the Bible the very same way. Just read it and believe it. And you said we'd have life. Father, I want to pray your grace over every person here tonight that they leave here encouraged and strengthened. They leave here knowing that they're believers. They leave here knowing that nothing is between them and you. Nothing. Father, thank you for your love and for your grace. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Praise God. Would you all stand up?